Hi, welcome to Higher Education Coffee and Conversation. I'm Cheryl Broom, CEO of Graduate Communications. Today I have two guests. Dr. Nora Kinney is coordinator of Palomar College's Transitions Program. Transitions is a corrections to college program that helps previously incarcerated individuals adjust to the college campus and successfully begin or resume their higher education. My other guest is Santos Rosado, who is a Palomar College student and who was paroled in March of 2020 and has dedicated himself to pursuing a higher education and is now set to transfer to a four-year university. We have a great conversation around the stigmas surrounding incarcerated students, the challenges incarcerated students face as they make the transition from prison to community college, and what students need from an institution in order to succeed. We also talk about ways in which colleges can share student stories to help break down stigmas and how everyone on campus can benefit from the experiences the formerly incarcerated bring to the college community. It's an honest, enlightening conversation and one that I hope will make everyone appreciate more than ever the role that colleges play in transforming lives through education. Okay. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast. I'm Absolutely thrilled to have you both on. And Santos, you are the first student that's ever been on the podcast before. So this is a, a first for, for the podcast. So I want to start off by having you both introduce yourself and tell our listeners uh, a little bit about who you are and your connection to the college um, and the work that you do. And so Nora, I'm going to start off with you and have you Fill us in a little bit about the work that you do and then how you met Santos and we'll, we'll take it from there. Great. Thank you, Cheryl. Um, well, I'm Dr. Nora Kenny and I work for the transitions program at Palomar College. And what we do is we work with currently and formerly incarcerated students to support them as they go to college. And what that looks like is anything from helping people to figure out the technology that we're so reliant on now to helping with housing and trans transitional housing, employment, wraparound services. And then also we of course do things like help with enrollment, uh, connect students to educational plans, computers and laptops. We also have a summer program where a cohort of students takes two classes together and those classes are focused on issues around incarceration and mass incarceration on a systemic scale and also on an, a personal scale. So all of our students in that program are either formerly incarcerated or system impacted. And together they take a counseling slash student success class and a sociology class that focuses on mass incarceration. So that's our on-campus program. We also have an off-campus program that takes place at the Vista Detention Facility where people who are incarcerated currently have access to credit classes and to professors uh, and support specific to their unique needs while being uh, incarcerated at the jail. So that's a little bit about the program. How Santos and I met uh, is that I was recruiting for the summer program last year. And I actually can't quite remember, it might have been through a probation officer. I'll let Santos uh, finish that thought. But Santos was one of our students last, last summer and immediately rose as a, as a leader in this space because of his experiences and also his education that he received while he was incarcerated. So Santos has uh, continued his, his studies at Palomar 
And we met as I was recruiting him. It was sort of a challenge. It was really a challenge, not sort of, because I had just started at Palomar in March. And about a week into my time at Palomar, we moved to the remote uh, remote work environment, of course. So recruiting students was no small feat, but Santos was amazing as a, as a student and continues to be so. And Santos, tell us a little bit about yourself too and the program and how you ended up at Palomar. Because education is so important to me, uh, usually when I give my story, I, I kind of like to go from the past to the present. I would just like to say that, um, you know, I, I was born in Puerto Rico and I moved to New York City when I was two. I had a very troubled childhood because aside from living in poverty, I experienced rejection and abandonment issues. And about age seven, I tried alcohol for the first time. And today I understand that alcohol, or excuse me, the introduction of alcohol for me was a way for me to escape from all you know, the uh, negative emotions that I was feeling at the time. As we know that alcohol is a mind altering substance, and as long as I continue to drink, the less I felt depressed or, you know, over my rejection and abandonment issues. As I got older, I became involved in criminal activity. For me, this was a way of seeking attention that I thought I was deprived of as a child. By the age of 16 and 17, I was already going in and out of county jails. At the age of 25, I was introduced to uh, cocaine and heroin. So at this point, my life began to spiral out of control. In 1996, I received my first prison term. I got four years for residential burglary. I paroled in 1988, and I found myself returning to prison four months later. I received a 10-year sentence for robbery. When I paroled in 1993, I was out for five months. I committed another robbery, and this time I was tried and sentenced under the California's three strikes law, where I received a term of 36 years to life. You know, um, today I realized that drugs and alcohol had always been the catalyst to my negative behaviors. And it wasn't until 2011 that a friend actually uh, convinced me to start taking college courses. I still didn't have a grasp or, you know, a complete understanding as to what happened to me in my past until I began to take these courses in psychology, sociology, these areas that actually help us to understand, get a clear understanding of ourselves. Um, so I, I continued on and, and focused on my studies and, and once again, uh, gaining understanding and insight into my negative behaviors in the past of who I was. So I not only mo was motivated to continue my education, but I encouraged others to do so as well. So I paroled in 19, excuse me, March 19, 2020. I was uh, sent to a transitional housing place, which was Amity Vista Ranch. And when I got there, um, I was able to demonstrate everything that my education uh, allowed me to. And, and, I, and I believe it was in June, 2020, that uh, I met one of the workers, one of the actual counselors at Amity, who's also or had attended Palomar College. And through him, he encouraged me that maybe, you know, because I explained to him that my, my goal and my passion is, is to reach out to people and, and, uh, and drug and alcohol counseling. 
So he encouraged me to take classes at Palomar, at which time was when I was introduced to Dr. Nora. And, and from that point on, I continued to enroll in classes. Uh, the first one was the transitional phase or the transitional program. I felt that perhaps those classes at the time I had already taken the counseling and the sociology. And so I decided to move on and stick with the transitional phase, the transitional program itself of the uh, formerly incarcerated students, because I knew that at this particular part of the program, um, I could be helpful in, in many ways, um, may, perhaps giving my story and um, yeah, it's just interacting with all these guys that are just coming into the system. Um, today, you know, I'm proud to say I feel good about where I am today. I still go through struggles because it's been a long journey in prison and, and my transition is slow. Um, I, I encounter a lot of, you know, ups and downs, roller coaster ride and social uh, anxiety. But that's okay, as long as I stay focused on my education. I realize that today education is key to understanding not only about ourselves, but others. And yeah, this is, this is where I got to understand who I was, starting with my underlying issues as a child. Yeah, that's, that's me right there. You've had an amazing journey and congratulations on, on making it. Uh, making it out and your sobriety and your dedication to, to education. It sounds like you're on a, on a good path forward. And even during this particularly challenging time where you have to be remote, uh, it sounds like you're doing really well. So kudos to you. Congratulations. Uh, it's no small feat. And while you were talking, I was, I was thinking about how we always talk about community colleges and education being transformational. And so many times we focus on the transformation of kind of a traditional student, somebody coming out of high school or, you know, an 18 year old or a 20 year old, and you are by definition, a non-traditional student. So I'm wondering for those people who listen, what has made your success as a student possible? What type of assistance have you needed and what more could the colleges do to help support you on your journey? You know, I, I, again, I realized at a later stage during my incarceration that education was important to me um, to create a value system for myself, to always ask myself, what means more to me? What is more valuable to me? And being incarceration, I mean, excuse me, being incarcerated, um, people won't understand until they've been in that, in those shoes. But, you know, I've always focused on my family, uh, my friends, and those people who have always supported me throughout my incarceration. So there was no other way for me to parole, except if I went and changed my behavior. And the only way I was allowed or I was able, excuse me, to do that was through education is I, have, I had to find the tools. I had to, I had to gain clarity into understanding, well, you know, what didn't I know then that I can do now and change that? And so this, educa again, education is, was the key factor for me to escape my negative and, and criminal lifestyle into who I am today. 
And, and in regards to college, I always teach that, that, you know, we have to develop a support system one way or another. Now, always, you know, surround yourself around positive people. I spoke to Nora earlier, um, you know, unfortunately, because of this COVID, you know, social distancing and we have virtual connection. However, we can, we still have the opportunity and ability to create a positive social uh, network and always stay connected with one another, you know, um, just uh, opening doors in every way we can. And for me, um, I stay connected with the students, those who wish to speak with me. And once again, I connect with them, with Dr. Nora and other faculty or um, professors from the college in the event that I may have some questions or you know, some, uh, some advice regarding my road down college itself. What is it like now in this um, online environment? Is that something you had access to when you were incarcerated? Did you? No, no, absolutely not. And, and one thing that uh, they discouraged was contact with the community. We, uh, I guess computers and technology has always been a part of uh, security concerns for the institutions, for prison institutions. I, I went through Coastline Community College, Palo Verde, and we had this distant learning program. Um, so we were, we were only able to connect with the colleges through the staff there, the, the um, educational staff. There was actually no, no contact to, with computers. And now here you are doing a podcast through Zoom. <laughs> using technology probably in ways that you hadn't envisioned you would. Yes, yes. Has it been a big challenge for you? It has. It has because, you know, since I've, I've been incarcerated for so long, the only access to computers I had were just working on programs for the prison itself, for the education programs, and only types of programs that they uh, created within the prison setting. You know, coming out, and I've expressed this to Dr. Nora and other students that have helped me throughout the, you know, throughout my journey, is technology. You know, I just had, you know, the, the language of it, the connecting, and, and it's just, it's been very frustrating for me in the beginning. But again, having a social network, I mean, we just, you know, connect with each other, and, and it's always helped. Uh, in, in so many different ways than it was in, in prison, and, you know, when I was incarcerated. But Technology is, is still continues to be a frustrating moment for me, but uh, I've learned to cope with it. I've learned that, um, you know, everything that we learn new just takes steps. There's a process to it. And as long as we stick with it, then it just gets greater. It gets better than that. Yes, I, I, and again, I, I'm very grateful. I'm honored to be on this podcast program because uh, it just shows me that uh, not only have the doors open, you know, because I've taken on a positive direction, but there's so much more to explore to what I've been missing all these years. Well, it sounds like you have, you know, such a great, a great attitude and a real dedication. And I was reflecting on how hard college is just for the average person, you know, it's difficult to go to college and to work. Uh, and then on top of it, you know, you've had to learn computers and technology and readjust to life outside of prison. So uh, I'm sure, Nora, this is where your transitions program comes in and supporting students as they 
as they make that transition. And besides technology, is there any other things that colleges can do to support students who are who are moving back into society? Well, I think uh, I want to just mention one thing about the technology piece. Um, and Santos has been amazing, and like so many of his peers who get out of doing seven years, 10 years, however many years while locked up and then getting out during this time of COVID where everything is relying on technology. So, for, and I wanna give an example that for me was so powerful. My students, they just continue to teach me every day, all day long. I had a student, I sent him a link to something and you know, I fully expected him to be like, okay, there's the link. Well, he got back to me and I'm so glad he did because he said, I looked at your message and I didn't really know what the link was. So instead of saying, here's, here's a link to this Zoom site or whatever, I was focused on him being able to use Zoom. He just didn't know that the underlying text that turned blue was what a link was. So I had to take another step back and really think about what it looks like to come out into the world during a time that is 100% reliant on, on this technology and mm. just be sure to open up to my students and be accessible that so that they could come to me and say, I don't know what you meant by a link. Um, and just really think about things in those terms where there's no technology. I mean, there is some technology. Prior to coming to, to Palomar, I taught at the Vista Detention Facility and I did teach a computer literacy class, but there was no internet. So they could have been expert in Word or these individual programs, but the internet was completely off limits for obvious reasons um, that are huge security concerns in the jails and prisons. So I think the technology piece is a part of it. We, Palomar has been, the Palomar Foundation has been amazingly supportive to our students, including getting laptops to all of our students, which has been just a life changer. The internet piece, I think is more difficult and having students uh, be able to get just really good stable Wi-Fi has been an issue. We're looking at opening up a parking lot or a parking garage so that students can go in and get Wi-Fi. That's been difficult with even hotspots. So I think just being there for your students as far as support systems for transitions, number one is setting up the, the network for each other. So like Santos and other students they are close with each other. When when someone's struggling with sobriety, they'll contact Santos and, and talk it out with him. If Santos is struggling with the technology piece, he relies on his colleagues and reaches out to, to them. And he has a partnership with at least one or two other students that they can just reach out there and be there for each other. We also do weekly check-ins with students. And actually, we just had a check-in this morning and are talking about adding more check-ins where I just would have open office hours so that students can just pop in and say, hey, because I hear from students individually quite often throughout the week, but I really want students to be able to rely on each other because they know what they're going through more than I do. Um, and I think that they can just be better support systems for a lot of things that are the motivational pieces throughout the day, or the things like when students start community college, that they're afraid to ask these questions that they feel stupid for asking particular questions, but asking another student is much much easier in a, in a lot of ways. So setting up these networks and these cohort programs are, really has been effective for the transitions population. Um, and then also just navigating the systems. It's really unfortunate that by, by virtue of just all these systems, it's really difficult to enroll in college. 
especially on your own. So we do have access to programs like TRIO um, that I connect students with, and then someone from TRIO will come and help them fill out the, uh, the CCC apply and also the FAFSA, which I think is huge. So having those support systems, and then we have a dedicated counselor who works specifically with transition students to work on their ed plan. And that's been really powerful as well. Uh, and I think probably at the core of our program is one person, which I just, I just uh, can't say enough amazing positive things about uh, Professor Martin Leva, who is formerly incarcerated. And he's now a professor at Cal State San Marcos. After having gone through community college himself, he set up these transitions programs throughout the state. And so he teaches our sociology class and students are able to ask him these questions as a, as a professor and as a formerly incarcerated scholar that but I know certain things, but not like Professor Martin does because he's been through it himself. So having those role models who are at every step of the way, um, someone like Professor Leva, and also someone who maybe has been in the program for just a semester, and then someone else who's been in the program for a year, you know, just having these people who are available as a network to support students at every step of the way. And I think that when we have these high touch uh, programs like the transitions program, it really shows like if we're doing all these things with transition students, if we were to have the funding, we, we should and could be able to do that with all students because what we serve for transition students applies to all of our community college students. It's just that transition students have these, you know, these unique situations around incarceration. But I think that the practices that we have with transitions can really apply across the board. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many great things that you touched on um, your example about the links, um, you know, not just for our students who are formerly incarcerated, but for all incoming students, there are so many things that they don't know how to do. And sometimes mm -hmm. as educators, we've been in the system so long, we just think, you know, you should know what a syllabus is and you should know how to access Canvas and you should know what Blackboard is. And um, that's not the case, you know, especially for students. Um, like Santos, who have been removed from, from society and don't know that terminology. So what an important reminder that we have to take a step back and remember um, that some people need some time, you know, just to learn our systems. But also, I think even more importantly, that concept of a support system is key, um, especially for adult students, um, feeling like you're part of a community with people who've experienced life the way you have, I, I would assume that helps keep you, you motivated and um, gives you connections that you can kind of lean on people when you're feeling like um, you need some extra help. So what an amazing, um, it's just amazing program. It's really impressive. And something else that I think is impressive is Santos. Nora has told me that while you were incarcerated, you earned three separate degrees. I did. I did. So you now officially hold more degrees than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, what is next for you now? What are your long-term goals? I, I focused on my major degree was um, psychology in, in uh, social behavioral science. And once I discovered uh, what happened to me, you know, what took me on that path of a criminal lifestyle where rather than uh, 
going out into society and hurting so many people, including my family, uh, you know, now it's time to turn things around and just pay it forward. Now that uh, I have come to a phase of my life that clear understanding of who I was, paying it forward is so important to me. Um, I understand today also that once again, like I mentioned, that drugs and alcohol had always been a catalyst to my negative behaviors. And I'm focused more on addictions. You know, addictions can derail us from what we truly want to do in life. And, and try to get some programs. We have the NA, we have the AA to try to focus on, 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 you know, on addictions and try to uh, get, um, get people to, to change that. My passion today, and I have registered as a drug and alcohol counselor, is to hopefully reach out to today's youth, today's troubled youth. And it's not just necessarily with addictions, but with behavioral problems. You know, we have mental health and, and other areas that uh, I'm able to reach out and, and help with, um, with my education today. So my passion today is to pay it forward in every way I can. I have, I have thought this through many times. If given the opportunity to engage in, in, in the community and be released from prison you know, Dr. Nora, she and the faculty at Palomar College, they create these programs where the students can get involved and volunteer their time for these uh, to pass out food and, and just to reach out to these individual individuals in, in the community that actually need help, you know, and, and rather than the apathy, it's more of an empathetic type of approach and knowing that, uh, that they're not, they're not alone. We have to go, we have to reach out to these people one way or another. And that's the way I feel today. I'm gonna to continue to stride in that direction. Um, and, and yes, today, again, my passion is to reach out to the troubled youth. I know that I may not be able to change the world. I might not be able to um, help everyone, but my motto uh, has always been since um, I have discovered who I am today is that to the world, I'm only one person, but to one person, I can be the world. I love that. And I, and I think, I wish you the best. I think it sounds like you've defined what your journey is and you're dedicated to making it. And I hear that you are hoping to transfer, right? In the fall, you've yes. applied to universities. Yes. How do you, how do you feel? I mean, you haven't really been on a college campus, right? Because it's been COVID, it's been this time of COVID and how, how do you feel? Do you feel welcomed? Do you feel challenged at all? Is it difficult for you being formally incarcerated? What are some of those kind of personal challenges? You know, uh, I do feel challenged and I, I like to use that word because, because of my transition. I've only been out nine months I feel comfortable on a social level because of the change that I've made in my life. And I know that if, you know, when I engage with people that I'm able to articulate whatever it is that I, you know, I need to get across and hopefully that they can understand who I am and what I'm trying to say. College campuses, once again, connecting with people is not a problem for me because, uh, 
you know, I just want to communicate. I want to connect so badly. But technology, areas where I need to learn new uh, new avenues, you know, uh, you know, with this virtual connection with the colleges, it's, it's, it's okay. It's great. And again, the challenge, maybe even to stepping up to a university that have all, has always been my dream. Okay. There will always be challenges. And, and I think those challenges can be overcome just taking one step at a time and, and getting connected with the right people, having a social network, as I mentioned earlier, um, hopefully, you know, just knowing that people that are on your side are willing to help can guide you down that road. You know, I know this is going to be a a, uh, a process for me. It's going to be, I don't want to say a long process because I've been through nine months and I feel I, ha- I feel as though I have my feet well planted on the ground. I don't, you know, um, I don't get as frustrated as, as I did, you know, maybe five years, excuse me, five or six months ago. Now, knowing that I have um, connected with students and faculty and Dr. Nora, Dr. Nora, she's, she's tremendous. She, you know, she's, she's always been on, in our corner, helping all the uh, formerly incarcerated students try to connect with each other and just make them feel so welcome. And I think that's very important in anyone's life is knowing that when you have someone on your team to make you feel welcome, make you feel accepted, that it just makes, it makes your transition or the processing of information is so much simpler, so much easier. And uh, I believe that's how I will be able to um, overcome any challenges that may come my way. It's just staying connected with the faculty, the students. Um, and then when this COVID thing is all over and we are able to get on campus, um, and again, we'll, I'll we'll run into some challenges, but I feel that I, I think it will be a smooth transition for me. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. And that I was so excited to have you on and to, to have you share your story because um, I think that there needs to be more uh, visibility into how we're serving students like you. And I think that the more that we're able to share stories and learn about um, for our formerly incarcerated students, then the more welcome environment we can create because then um, the stigmas or the fear are removed because we mm-hmm. see that that Santos, you've done amazing things with your life and have dedicated you know yourself to education and improvement. And I think your story is so important to tell. And Nora, I I was wondering. I know Palomar has had programs for a long time, but do you have stigmas on campus that you have to battle, or do you feel like the environment's really welcome? Um, or for colleges who might be considering having a program like yours, how do you how do you communicate that to the campus as a as a whole and create that welcoming, supportive environment? That's a great question, Cheryl. Um, you know, I feel like Palomar in particular has been incredibly supportive of transition students. President, uh, the interim president Jack Con, Dr. Jack Con, has been. He started the program with with Martin Leva and has been a champion and ally the whole time. I'm sure there are people on campus who maybe aren't as receptive, but for the most part, our program is visible. Our students are well loved. We have faculty who have asked to be allies and who attend our events. And I have actually, I have lists of faculty who I refer students to and say, 
hey, if you take a class with this professor or that professor, you can tell them things like, I can't be in the lecture because I have to go to my, my parole meeting or I have to check in with my program. People have been in incredibly supportive. I think on campus, the police department has been amazing uh, in particular with, with special needs. Sometimes like we've had students who have been asked to not take classes or to not be on campus and have been reinstated after spending some years uh, rehabilitating and, and proving that they can come back on campus and, and everything will be safe. So things, things like that, reinstituting, just always giving students the benefit of the doubt and reinstituting any privileges that, that, that might've been taken away prior while you know struggling with addiction. And I really feel like Santos's story just reminds me about the criminalization of addiction and how debilitating that is for people individually and collectively. Um, and I just feel like looking at addiction and the, and the AODS aspect of all of this has been the, the pivot for Santos and so many people like him. There's definitely a thriving community of campuses that have programs for formerly incarcerated students, including the UC campuses. UC San Diego has the Underground Scholars network also. Um, in San Diego, San Diego City College has a thriving program. So there is definitely more visibility and more support for formerly incarcerated and system impacted students. Uh, thankfully at Palomar, we are definitely an integral part of the campus. Now being on campus, I'm not sure because I've only worked on campus for a week. <laughs> so I can't answer your question uh, better, but I know that virtually there has been a lot of support for our students and that has, uh, and our students consistently outperform their peers who have not been incarcerated, which I find interesting. And same with that at the Vista jail, our retention rate or success rate is like 90% or something. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and of course, unfortunately due to the cycles of mass incarceration our the population at the jail is disproportionately men of color uh, who are just, really doing really excelling in that space and uh, professors who teach in the jail all say without exception this has been a highlight of my 40-year teaching career um, there's something about being in that space which is I mean people are in their trauma as you're teaching them being locked up however for once, students have time and space to focus 100% on school. And, you know, they don't have to worry about basic needs like food, housing, they're, you know, supporting their families, and they thrive and they do really, really well. And that I think is an interesting, an interesting dynamic. I've had, I've had students who get straight A's while they're in jail, do the program on the on campus and not do well. And you know, it's like the same student in a different environment will either thrive or not, depending on the environment and what kind of, you know, the student I'm thinking of, he had to obviously get a job and support his family and wasn't able to focus on school anymore. Um, so it's really, it really speaks to the need for wraparound services and resources for our students. I love the focus on visibility. And I had, uh, I think I told you this once, Nora and Santos, we haven't talked before today, but I had done a project with a college uh, in California who has a really successful program similar to Transitions, and we were doing some work on their website, and 
some of their um, college administrators wanted to highlight the program for formerly incarcerated students on the website. And it ended up in this uh, heated debate because other administrators didn't want to broadcast or didn't want visibility that the college was serving this population and fear that it would scare other students. And it was a very emotional discussion. Um, and I don't know what the college ended up deciding because I didn't work through, you know, I left. So I did my job and I left. Um, but I think that that focus on visibility is critical if we want to bring to light the issues with incarceration in our country, if we want to support students as they're uh, reaching new goals, we, we have to be open and honest and visible uh, with what what with what we're doing and the populations that we're serving. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear um, how how well Palomar is doing that. Uh, and I think you sound like a, an, a tremendous model for other colleges across the state and probably across the nation as well. Oh, thank you, Cheryl. Um, it's been today we were talking about motivation with students and the question that I put forth was how do you stay motivated and focused? And the students all went through and, and Santos talked about turning negatives into positives, which I think is exactly what the transitions program does. But the, then one of the students asked me, how do you stay motivated and focused? And I said, I just call one of you because, <laughs> because all, of, all of our students, their stories are just amazing. You know, each student could have a, a movie or a book written about them because my recruiting students for the transitions program was the most just awe-inspiring experience for me because every time I called a student, they would tell me their story. And it was amazing just to have the privilege to, to sit and listen to people like Santos who spent 33 years locked up and then was, was out and during a pandemic and like just rolling with it and handling it and coming out on the other end with his education, uh, being in place to be a great candidate for a top university. And it's clear that he's going to continue to lead in this space and in many others and be a role model. And I think more, more students like Santos who come forth and say, hey, yeah, I, I had this, this was my past, I figured it out, here's where I am now. And people humanize a formerly incarcerated person like Santos and say, well, that guy's amazing. Like, I didn't know that he had done all this time. He was just this really nice guy in my class who helped me, you mm -hmm. know? So once that stigma is addressed, I think that people will understand and come forward and say, yeah, I have, I have family who've been incarcerated. Like it's the shame isn't on the people who've been incarcerated. For me, I feel like the shame is on our systems that make it so easy for someone like Santos to be struggling with addiction. And instead of dealing with his addiction, he just gets locked up because he's, you know, in that cycle of poverty and addiction and, and trauma. Right. So I think the more students that tell their stories like Santos, the better, because I think it just humanizes it and it allows us to see it's not that formally incarcerated doesn't mean scary. You know, when I was teaching mm -hmm. at the jail, before I walked into the jail, I was a little bit like, you know, the, I was kind of freaked out because the orientation is talking about how people make weapons out of like the, the most innocuous objects and, you know, kind of like get you really kind of scared to go into the jail. And I walk in and on day one, I've never had a group of students be so lovely and respectful and supportive and kind and appreciative um, as I did when I was teaching at the jail. And it just, it just really got me thinking like, these are just people having a hard time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, why not just support them so that they're not having a hard time anymore? <laughs> right. Cheryl, if I can add to that, if I may, please. Oh, of course. 
Yes, you know, you, when you mentioned about the stigma, this is something that even in, in, in prison, when, when I facilitated a lot of groups, we went over a lot of issues about what, you know, the, the stigma, if you will, that, you know, we have to face when we are released from prison. And if it's not through employment, it's people on the street. And just the fact knowing that we've been incarcerated, you know, they have this fear of the word incarceration that there's a, a, a criminal out on the streets. But, um, you know, the administration that you were talking about that we're having a hard time trying to decide whether or not you want to broadcast, uh, you know, a speaker or someone and formerly incarcerated student uh, over the air. I, I think that, um, and Nora, Dr. Nora, you know, she touched on a lot of good tips about the stigma that we face. I, I, I believe that, you know, given the chance that a lot of people don't allow us the opportunity to tell our stories and to uh, programs such as this one and Palomar and, and other areas that allow uh, incarcerated people or formerly incarcerated people to just actually give their stories so that they know, so that people can hear, so that they can understand where we've been. And, and to know that, especially if we're on an, on an educational path, you know, we have something that is going to gear us on more positive on a more positive road. So, <clears throat> um, you know, I, I don't want to say. I mean, it does sadden me, but it, it's new. It's not new to me. Um, you know, the the uh, the stigma again that we face when we come out of prison, um, and I think I believe that it's it's about the information. Once people understand what we've been through, and that we are no longer that person, then I believe that opportunities will come. You know, doors will open. Uh, people can perhaps, you know, lay down, put down their guard and, and, and allow us to continue in society, you know, and um, yeah, and just try to give back as much as, as much as we can. But I just giving us our stories, hearing us out and understanding where we've been, I think is important for everyone we have stories to tell. That is some great closing thoughts as we wind down our conversation. And the yes. exact reason I wanted uh, you, Santos and Nora, to come on is uh, as, as administrators across the country listen to this podcast to think about how can we tell the stories of our students uh, equally and give all students a chance to, to shine and to move forward with their education. Um, how do we best support them and help them realize their goals and their dreams, whether or not uh, they come from a challenged background or are coming straight out of high school, right? <laughs> We've got to serve everybody and, and do it to the best of our abilities. And I think you hit the nail right on the head that we need to allow visibility and stories to be shared. And that's how we're gonna build connections and ultimately help students succeed. So I want to thank you for sharing your story. And I'm, I'm really impressed with all that you've done. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that UCSD acceptance letter. Yes, thank you. Yes, I think, uh, I think that sounds like you have great things on the horizon. And I, I really appreciate your time. And, and Nora, Dr. Nora, um, thank you so much for, for joining us as well. Oh, thank you for inviting us, Cheryl. It's been a it's been a pleasure, and I look forward to a time when Santos and and you and I can uh, meet on campus and say <laughs> hello with a. Oh, 
I love that. I'm just down the street from Palomar. So when this is, uh, when this is all done, Santos, we'll all have to go grab a cup of coffee. Absolutely. And a couple of selfies, maybe. Sure. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No more social distancing. (laughs) No more social distancing. (laughs) So listen, Laura, I, I wanted to start, I wanted to begin by, you know, actually thanking you and Dr. Nora for this invitation. Um, I truly hope that uh, my story and everything else that was included, uh, it will be helpful for others that are listening. Um, yeah, and, and that's basically it. Thank you so much. I, and I just wanna add Cheryl that I, I think being, um, you know, being a classroom teacher in the community college system, students are inspired by each other mm-hmm. and to have Santos be in a classroom with those students in high school who are struggling with their own, with their own issues, whatever those may be, having someone like Santos who was locked up and did, had got his three degrees while locked up and then came out during a pandemic and has succeeded. Like for me being a young person, if I saw that, I'd be like, Oh, if this if this person can do all that, then I can do all that. And I can handle what's going on in my life too. So I think the the beautiful thing about community college is that's the space where people from so many different walks of life come together and learn from each other and are motivated by each other. And I think that's exactly who Santos is. He encapsulates all that's beautiful about community college and the public education aspect of community college. um, And that diversity that that brings so much uh, knowledge and inspiration to each other. Thank you for listening to Higher Education Coffee and Conversation. If you like the podcast, please leave me a five-star rating. And to discover more great higher education-related content, make sure to visit us at graduatecommunications.com. And with that, I'm going to say thank you for listening. Thank you for the hard work you do for students each and every day.